Lord, there have been times, there have been times in our lives where in our short-sightedness, our spiritual blindness, we were consumed with ourselves, our comforts, our problems, that we questioned your faithfulness. We questioned your goodness. There was a time in our lives, God, that we weren't sure that you loved us the way we wanted to be loved, that you weren't as provisional and protective as we thought you should be. We have perhaps had contempt for you. Whatever words fit, whatever descriptive terms we can find, we weren't singing about your goodness. We were moaning about what we thought was your at least indifference. Worse than that, perhaps we thought you were cruelly harsh towards us. Yet in your mercy, you didn't just blast us in those moments. And kind and gracious yes. and patient, yes. long suffering, yes. merciful to us. It's because we've we've seen ourselves and and we've seen you deal with our sinful selves mm. that we want to. The song we sang before this last one, we want to draw nearer. We've tasted of your love. We've experienced your mercy and your grace. We've, we've broadened our perspective. The horizon has been widened for us and we begin to see God was not being cruel and unfair in those moments. He was letting me see myself. God, you've been faithful. We're the ones that have not been faithful. You've never abandoned us. We have wandered from you. We've more than wandered. We've deliberately walked away. You've been kind. You've been gracious. You sent all kinds of signals and persons and the work of your own Holy Spirit speaking to us in our spirit. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. God, thank you for your long-suffering care of us. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. God, thank you that you love us. Your love is not only proved in Calvary historically, your love is proved to me moment by moment, day by day of my life. God, I don't want to presume on that. I certainly don't want to abuse that. It's okay. God will forgive me. He still loves me. God, it's your love that makes me want to draw nearer. To go deeper. To taste more. To know more. To abide in you. So would you use our time again here together this morning to speak to our hearts from your word. And might we, as, as we'll 
we'll see in the scriptures exhort or encourage one another with some personal remarks today. God, be with us. And even as much as we're, we're, we're talking about your grace in our lives today, out loud with one another, may we not make it about us. It's about you and your grace and your goodness and your mercy in our lives. God, might you be exalted in all that we say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. your Bibles, and the scripture will be on the screen, but if you're using your own Bible, open your Bibles. The book of Hebrews make your way to chapter 3. Your Bibles this morning. The book of Hebrews, I want to be quick, and I really, this time, sort of, kind of mean that, <laughs> to save time for not just me, but a lot of you speaking, I hope, this morning. We've never done this. I've never done this before, so I don't have any experience. And from that experience, expectation how this is going to unfold. But I do feel prompted of God to, to do this weeks ago. And it's only increased, not diminished in my uh, intentionality to, to proceed on with this. Let me set a, a, a context for you and an attitude out of Hebrews chapter 3, and, and then I'll, I'll get back to what I want to accomplish today in hearing as many of you as want to, to speak out of your own life. Hebrews chapter 3, and we break in at verse 7. Here's the setting. The book of Hebrews itself is, as you might suspect, a letter to Hebrew people. And, and the point of the book, the point of the letter, is simply this, that they were clinging to their Hebrew traditions. They were clinging to their Old Testament ways, which are not evil. But they were clinging to them so tightly that they never could understand that those were only foreshadows. They, they were prototypes. They were illustrations of the true peace that comes to us in Jesus. So the priesthood was a picture of Jesus. And, and the sacrifices were a picture of Jesus. And the ceremonies, they were all pictures of, of Jesus. And now that Jesus has come, it, we don't need the pictures anymore. So we, we live in an electronic age, and, and everyone's got pictures on their phone. But imagine in the old days, if, if you had a little Kodak paper picture of your children and your spouse or your favorite vacation spot and and so you would go home and from a day's work and you would pull out your pictures in your pocketbook or your wallet and you would pull out a picture of your spouse and you would just look at the picture of your spouse but your spouse is in the house but you're not talking to your spouse you're not interacting with your spouse you're just looking at the picture of your spouse and do love my spouse. And your spouse begins to speak, don't bother me, I'm meditating on my spouse. <laughs> and you go, well, that's just bizarre, Pastor. Well, that's the letter to the Hebrews. We have our traditions. We have our Old Testament pictures. We, we have 
what we were raised with, and our parents were raised with, and, and, and our ancient ancestors were raised since the days of Abraham. We've been doing this. This is important to us. And the question hanging in the air is, is it more important than what all those things represent? What they portray? And now that Jesus has come, are you saying that those things are more important than Jesus? Put your pictures away. Talk to Jesus. That's the book of Hebrews. And, and what the writer does is he'll take one issue and say, on this issue, Jesus is superior. On this issue, Jesus is superior. And he works in the whole book, a number of issues. It gets back to the basic premise in this chapter 3. Start with me in verse 7, which is a quote from Psalm 95, by the way. Nothing new here. So the Holy Spirit says, today, live in the present, right now. If you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the days of rebellion. He's talking about Old Testament history, when well, we'll get to it. After they've left Egypt, they're in the wilderness, they're not yet to the land of promise. And they got not a little, they got not just cranky, they got defiant. Is the word rebellious. Do not harden your hearts like they did during the time of the rebellion. On the day of testing. Why didn't God just give them a, a like a fast track, quick trip to the land of promise? Why, why did he linger so long in the wilderness? It's right there in the last line of verse 8. It's for testing. Now, whether you're in public education, you're in secondary education, private college, state college, you're doing graduate work. The professor, the instructor, the teacher gives you a test because they don't know what you know. And the only way to find out what you know is to test it. Do you think God doesn't know? God doesn't give him a test because he's trying to find out something he doesn't know. That's what we do. God gives us a test so he can like hold up a mirror to us and say, see, you think you're better than you are. Here's who you really are. Right. So, so he lets them spend a little bit of time in the wilderness to, to hold up the mirror and say, look, I, I've known this is in you all along. But you think it's not in you, so I, I need to let you see yourself. And he does the same thing to us. It's in those moments when he God's being unfair. Then this isn't good. I'm one of the good guys. I go to church. I even give money. I show up on work day. We, we think we're much better than what we are. So God puts us in a, a wilderness for a few hours or days or months or years. And he says, this is who you are. But then it's kind of like a play on words. I was testing you, turned out, verse 9, but your fathers, your ancestors, their response to my test was testing me. My patience with you. You saw my works for four years. I gave you bread that just floated down from the sky. 
and, and I caused the birds to just come and, and, and fly in to sit down. You didn't have to trap them. You didn't have to shoot them. There was no guns. You, you, you didn't have to catch them. They, they, I, I would make sure they just flew in and sat there. And for 40 years, I gave you meat. Your clothes didn't wear out. Your sandals didn't dry rot. And the leather didn't break. I even made sure you had water. You didn't have to go searching for water. For 40 years, I took care of your every need. You were no longer slaves in Egypt. But because it wasn't up to your expectation or, or estimation of what you thought you deserved, you got angry at me. You're seeing miracles every day, but you got used to them. You got used to them. Uh, you brothers and sisters, you were testing me for these 40 years. And God says, verse 10, yeah, I got provoked. I got angry. Angry doesn't mean I hate you, I cut you off, forget you. But God's thinking, all that I've done, and this is the murmuring and complaining. So I want you to think about all what God has done in your life. And yeah. Yeah. So because you're not, whatever the next level of, of economic level is, whatever level you are, everyone wants the next one. Or let's skip this one, get the next two or three. Because God hasn't got you there. You're mad at God. Hmm. I, I've been a parent, now I'm a grandparent. And I used to wonder, why do my kids disrespect me? And, and, and one day, I, I, it was just as if I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, I don't know, I wonder if your Heavenly Father wonders why you disrespect Him. Yeah, yeah. It's those kinds of, 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 of things of awareness that God is doing in all of us all the time. Yeah, he was provoked. And said, they always go astray in their heart. They, they just so easily get off track. They so easily, the least little thing, and oh, I'm, I've been too mean again. I've been too mean. So in my provocation, verse 10, I was provoked. In my wrath, he says in verse 11, I said, well then, you, you won't see the land of promise. You won't see the land of promise. And that sounds cool, but we'll get to some further explanation in just a second. These verses, 7 through 11, make the point that God is letting us see ourselves. It's a test. But not he can find out something about us he doesn't know. He knows everything about us. But we don't know everything about us. We all think we're better than what we are. Yeah. And then God puts us in a situation, cranks down the vice just a bit, not to cruelly destroy us, but just enough pressure that, that, that what's in us begins to bubble up to the surface. Anger, resentment, self-centeredness, ease, comfort, there it is for us and all the world to see. You never really know what's in a person until they get squeezed. Yeah. And, and then they say, well, you, you made me do this. No, I, I didn't make you do that. I created a situation where, where it came out. But I didn't make you. That was already in you. 
That's what he's saying to the descendants of these ancestors. He says, you're just like your ancestors. Now there is, starting in verse 12, a warning to us. You catch it in verse 12. So take care, brothers and sisters, current day when the book was written, and today to us and when we're reading it. So we're learning from, from Moses' generation. They're the ones that walked out of Egypt. Red Sea parted. There's a miracle. They're, they're the ones who saw that. The ten plagues. All those miracles. It touched Egypt. didn't touch them. They saw all of that. And now he's saying to us, what have you seen? What has God done for you, to you, in you, through you, around you? How have you seen the hand of God? Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, like our spiritual ancestors did when they came out of Egypt. Take care, brothers, that you don't become them. Take care. Watch yourself. Check yourself. Verse 13 is the key. How do I take care? Verse 13. I need someone constantly saying to me, are you mad at God because he hasn't measured up to your expectation? And I need to find a nice way to say to you, are you mad at God thinking he's let you down? Let's just talk about Calvary for 30 seconds. Let's just talk about Calvary and, and, and say, so that wasn't enough? Taking your sin, making a way for you to escape eternal damnation, but because you hadn't hit the lottery, you're, you're mad at God? You hit the lottery when Jesus went to Calvary. I just hate that imagery, hitting the lottery. You found God's grace in its most abundant expression. We need to exhort one another all the time. Quit measuring God's faithfulness by the money in your pocket. Yeah. Or how nice people are being to you. Sometimes he'll give us a test to let us see. Yeah, I, I, I still hold revenge. I, 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 still, I still think I'm the center of the universe. And if people don't acknowledge that, then I get annoyed. What, what is it that God's showing you about yourself? Exhort one another every day in the present sense, as long as it's today. And today we have today. <coughs> Exhort one another, lest we be hardened by the deceitfulness. Yeah. Sin does all kinds of things to us, but the ultimate thing that it does to us, first and long term as well, is it deceives us. Yeah. This will be more fun than it turns out to be. This will be fulfilling, and it never is. If sin was fulfilling, you wouldn't stay with it. Right. I'd get my full and I'd move on. But it's not fulfilling. Oh, I, I didn't do it good enough. I have to try harder. I didn't spend enough money. I didn't stay long enough. It's very deceitful. Exhort one another, lest we, verse 12, fall into that trap that our ancient spiritual ancestors didn't escape. 
they died in the wilderness. Of that whole generation, only uh, three, or technically two, Moses saw it, but he never lived there. Two of them saw it and lived there, as Joshua and Caleb. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands, couple million there were that walked out of Egypt. Literally, two. Not 200, not 20, two men <clears throat> who left Egypt went to the land of the promise. The rest of them died not knowing the goodness of God in Canaan. Exhort one another every day that that didn't happen to us. For we have come to share in Christ. We live not before the crucifixion. And people had faith that, that was going to come. We live after the crucifixion with overwhelming historical evidence that it did occur. And eyewitnesses who wrote their stories for us in the Bible tell us, I saw the resurrected Christ. He did come back from the dead. We have Christ and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. We have come to share in Christ if, if indeed, he's not talking about working for your salvation, but the evidence of true conversion, the evidence of true salvation is holding our original confidence firm all the way to the end. <clears throat> all the way to the end. And he reminds us again what we heard in that first generation, I'm calling the first generation out of Egypt. If you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. And then real quick, I'll, I'll try to really finish up here quickly. He gives us this last section, 16 to 19. It's just a, another reminder. Verse 15, remember this, this, this caution. Don't harden your hearts. Don't get mad at God. Just because your life didn't turn out exactly the way you wanted, happily ever after. All, you know, uh, flowers and sunrises and whatever you think is utopia. Who, who was it that rebelled these rhetorical questions? And look at his answers, starting in verse 16. Who, who was it that heard and rebelled? It was those who were freed from slavery. They were freed from slavery, but their hearts got hardened. And if you know the Old Testament well, you, you know their, their comments. We were better off back in Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. At least they had vegetables. I know we were slaves and getting beat with whips, but, but we had meat. And we so, so now, stuff. Food and warm water. And, and stuff means more to you than freedom. We're free from eternal damnation. No hell for those that are truly born of God's Spirit. But we're mad because we don't have enough money. No hell for me. But I'm, I'm mad because... Come on, God. My car with 160,000 miles is falling apart and it's going to cost me $35,000 to buy another one? Come on, God! And God seems to be saying to me these days, so you're more worried about a, a 
car is overpriced, then you are, I gave my life yeah. for you to yeah. 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 Hmm. Who, who was it that rebelled? It was those who were freed from slavery. Who, who was it that sinned? It was those whose bodies died in the wilderness. Whom did he swear they had not interest? But those who had disobeyed. Oh, Moses up on top of this mountain. He'd been up there more than a month. He coming down. That's God that parted the Red Sea. I don't know what that was. But he ain't with us now. We need a new God. Let's make another God. Hey Aaron, you you you're a you're a goldsmith. We're gonna we're gonna take all earrings and, and rings and stuff. We're gonna melt down gold, and you make us a god. And Aaron did. And at that point, what are they? Two months? Six weeks? How long are they out of slavery? And no, we need a new god. That god's he, he, I don't know where he is. He he's gone. How much pressure does it take for us to say, nah, I can't trust Jehovah anymore. I, I need a new source of help. I need another kind of protection. I forget praying. I, I, I need another. I, I need a new counselor. I need a different counselor. I, I need, I'm going to talk to someone who don't know God, but they'll give me some good advice. Wow. Who, who was it that didn't enter into his rest? Those that were disobedient. So you see in your printed notes, it might even be on the screen, for 16, 17, 18, 19, these are the same ones that were rebellious and sinful and disobedient and unbelieving. These are the good guys. These are God's people. These are God's people. Externally. But they didn't know him intimately. They didn't know him personally. Had they have known him personally, they would have remained faithful like Joshua and Caleb. Like Joshua and Caleb. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. God's going to take care of us. Take care of us. We're dying out here. And they said, no, we're not looking like No one has died. No one has died. We're not living up to the standard that you may prefer. But we're not slaves either. We're alive. And we're moving to a place that God has for us. Trust God. Taking longer than we thought, but trust God. No, I'm done with God. Now, while America doesn't have that many Christians, although there are so many, I'm done with God. In fact, I'm an atheist now. I forget God. There's no God. But there's others that are more subtle in their intellectual awareness. Now, I, I, I've come to realize that, that all, all Christianity and, and all, all organized religion, it's, it's, it's all a myth, it's all a farce. It's, there's nothing to that. There's nothing to that. I've, I've been disenchanted. I've, I, religion has failed me. And, no, no, I'm dissatisfied. And, um, so everything's God's fault. It has nothing to do with I failed the test when I'm in the wilderness. So this is the difference between these people that we're looking at and, say, Joseph, who had this 
this word from God that this is going to happen. But between getting this 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 vision, this dream, this this revelation, this is going to happen. When he gets stolen by his brothers, and then he gets framed by an immoral woman, and then he gets forgotten by people that he helped while he's in prison that he didn't need to be there. And for all of that, he's saying, no, I'm, I'm, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. Maybe, maybe you're like this generation in the wilderness. Maybe you're like Joseph in prison. Maybe you're like Daniel in a den of lions. I, I don't know. You're in a bad marriage. You've got a manipulative boss. You should have been promoted. Everyone knows it, but it's not happening. And, and there's been some in unfairness and injustice. You're the victim of racial prejudice or gender prejudice. Those things are real. The question is, are you going to become a victim? Or are you going to say, no, God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. God can fix this bad marriage. God can fix their attitude. But maybe first, God wants to work on my attitude. God has us in the wilderness. Not that I can point out what's wrong with everybody else around me. But I can look at the mirror at my face. What's God saying to me in this wilderness? Okay, I, I got to finish. The the questions become then. So where do I see myself spiritually? Am I in unbelief? I'm still in slavery. I'm, I'm a slave to my sin. I've never been set free. I've never been born again. Had a spiritual birth. I'm still stuck in my old life, and 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 I I'm, I'm trying to learn about Jesus. But but if I were to assess where exactly I am spiritually, no, I'm I'm still in Egypt. Number two, maybe, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out of Egypt, but I'm definitely not in the land of promise and none of us are, that's heaven. I'm, I'm definitely in the wilderness, and some days I don't know where I'm going, I'm walking in circles, and I wish it would get over, I wish it would get over quick, but, but at least I, I'm in the wilderness, but I am hanging on to the promise. I am hanging on to the promise. Not saying that boastfully, but with a clear conscience. Yeah, I have my moments of, of dissatisfaction and I have grumbled against God. But with a clear conscience, I could say with humility, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my best to cling to the promises because I know, maybe not in my mind and my flesh, but deep in my soul, there's been a second birth. There's been a transformation. I'm not the old person I used to be. Amen. Be in Christ. He's a new creature. I, I still see sin. That's the point of being in the wilderness. But I'm grieved by my sin. I hate my sin. And what I want to be is truly free. Not just not in Egypt. I want to be done with Egypt deep in my philosophical, spiritual place. And the only way to get to that is verse 13. That we exhort one another all the time. Yeah. Are you murmuring and complaining? Are you content with what God has for you right now? Well, right now is not great. But tomorrow will be better. Yeah. And the day after that, better still. And so it goes. And so it goes. 
when we encourage one another, exhort one another, challenge one another, what are you murmuring about? Do you see what God has already done for you? Or, we can dig in, stuck in the wilderness, become rebellious, sinful, disobedient. I'm not rebellious and, 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 and sinful. If, if, if I'm not trusting the promises of God, I'm being rebellious and sinful. Rebellious and sinful doesn't mean I'm dealing drugs and I'm immoral. Rebellious and sinful is, yeah, I don't think God will. God don't care about me. You know my situation, you would agree. God don't care about me. Look at my situation. Do you pay attention to circumstance and context when you read the Bible? People are suffering. People are suffering. Does not mean God doesn't care? It's the suffering that lets us see. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I'm murmuring because my second car broke down. My second car broke down and, and God's abandoned me. It's participation in, in body life. It's participation in church life. It's, it's encouraging one another, praying for one another, forgiving one another, holding each other up. Come on. You can do this, not because we're amazing, but because God is faithful. Come on. I got to stop. That being the case, where are you? Where, where, where are you? And, and have I come to faith? Am I born again? Has that happened years ago? Has it happened lately? Have, have I been baptized after my conversion? I'm not talking about childhood baptism. I'm, I'm talking about conversion. Acts chapter 2. They, they, they received the word. They were baptized. Baptism is a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. You can't put on the wedding band before you get married. And it's when I attach my see, they were they were born as sons and daughters of Abraham. Biological birth put them in the Israelite community. We're the people of God by physical birth. We're the people of God by spiritual birth. By spiritual birth. And that's why with all due respect, I don't I don't think that infant baptism is 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 it's, it's hellish. I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. And I get I get the sense of representation. But the biblical model, the biblical model is 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 I think explicitly clear that baptism comes after birth. So I've had a spiritual birth and, and now I'm putting a wedding ring on. I belong to Christ and my old person is dead. And so we'll we'll not literally bury you. Too bad for you. You won't have a couple hours of air and then you're done. Oh, it's a metaphor. The old man is dead. So when some person dies, you don't let them lay around in the front yard. You bury them and they come back from the dead. The Bible's all about resurrection. New life. The old man is gone. It's a new person. New creature in Christ. Baptism is just a picture of what's happened spiritually to us. Spiritually, my old David is gone. I'm a new David. Christ made me new. 
Baptism is a picture of that. I've been born again. Have you been born again? Have I been baptized? And am I participating? I'm, verse 13, I'm receiving exhortation. I'm giving exhortation. We're talking to one another. We're encouraging one another. We meet occasionally, weekly, bi-monthly at, at, at the least. We see each other in church. We're, 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 we're texting. We're talking. We're, how you doing? You in the fight? You resisting sin? How, how you doing? So let's start with those big questions. Am I born again? Have I been baptized? Am I fully participating in the, in the congregation where God led me? And that's what I want to give you a chance to say out loud. One last word here, not theological, but, but more practical, cultural. Maybe you've been attending this church and, and we sing a hymn at the end of the worship, but there's never from me, there's never from me, oh, uh, let's dim the lights and all heads bowed and all eyes closed and, and this is your time to respond to Jesus. And because I, I, I've been around that literally my whole life. I think it is manipulative, maybe unintentionally, but it easily becomes manipulative. And at some point, oh, we're going to sing 13 more stanzas of just as I am. i got to go home. you got to be kidding me. And it becomes a big cultural thing, and I'm doing the best I can to stay away from those kinds of fleshly, oh, i got to get a decision out of these people. No, I don't have to get a decision out of anyone. But if you've come to some decisions that Christ has pulled out of you, oh, we, we, we would love to hear that. I would love to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. So rather than every Sunday going through this emotional pressure cooker, let's take, a, and I've never done it like this before, let's take a, a, a moment every now and again and say, Okay, we've talked about a lot of things over weeks, months past. Has it affected you in any way? Has it caused you to make any kind of commitments, decisions? And let's hear them and then we'll keep moving. So let's do that now. Um, I've got two, I've got two illustrations that I've kind of primed the pump. Uh, I've talked to Rob and I'm going to get back to him in just a bit when we move on to some other issues. Just last night, I spoke to Craig, and I said, Craig, oh, you an apology, because I've known Craig for how long? Eight years. Eight years. <laughs> what did you say? Six. 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 Only six years. Seems like eight. Seems like eight. I said to Craig last night, I, I should have talked to you about this long before, but we were talking about other issues. He said, oh, great. So I want to hear from Craig, and then you'll get, oh, this is what we're doing today. So Craig, just, just give us a background, where you came from, where you are, what you want to do now. Go ahead. Uh, where I came as far as home? No, spiritually and background, stuff like that. Brief. Don't, don't give us war and peace. Just a brief. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, okay um, well, I first um, was introduced to I always thought I believed in God. Yes. I thought that uh, a colleague of mine, I here at Cross, I mean, it was Cross Snyder, I was working with him, just me and him one on one. Here in Jersey. In Philly. In Philly. It's in Philly. 
and this was maybe about 15, 20 years ago. Okay. And he just asked me a question. He said, do you believe you're going to heaven? I said, yes, I believe in God. And he said, that's not enough. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he explained to me about Christ. And Amen. Like, and I'm like, but I believe in God. Yeah. I believe you're telling me that there's a son. And he's like, yeah. And went through the steps with me, just me and him one on one, and introduced me to Christ. Okay. And then from that point, <clears throat> I went to church. Okay. Fell out of church. All right. Went back to the world, back to it. Okay. Doing other things. And then I um, came across my lovely wife. <laughs> and um, she was prompting me to attend church. Um, I was resistant. And I had already met you. Yeah. Well, I met family. And my sister, I'll never forget. The day before I came to church, she said, your butt needs to be in church. <laughs> that was her exact word. Right in my face, your butt needs to be in church. And um, that following Sunday, I attended for the first time. And that started my journey in rebuilding my um, belief and strength in Christ. Okay. And I've been um, on this journey ever since. And it's Amen. been a very, very blessed experience. You never baptized? No. Okay? No. All right? So here's the story of conversion. You would say that Christ is the Lord of your life. You embrace Christ as your yes. master. Yes. Okay? So so there's step one, not yet baptized, not a member of this church. That's Craig's story. It's that kind of stuff. Where are you spiritually? Thank you. That's it. That's perfect, Craig. Thank you so much. Where are you spiritually, and where do you want to move to? If you're content with where you are, then you're content with where you are. But where are you, and, and what's next for you? What, what, what do you want to do in light of what God is doing in you? If God's not doing anything in you, so far as you can see, then we're glad you're here. I mean that sincerely. But what's the next step for you? Where, where did, what is God compelling out of you? Where are you in this illustration? Are you in Egypt? I'm a slave. And I hate being a slave to whatever it is. I'm free, but I don't feel free. I'm stuck in this wilderness. Or, no, I'm free, and I'm thriving. Where, where are you, and what's next? Where do you want to go? Have I been born again? Lately, have, do I want to join this church? Do I need to be baptized? Anyone else? Anything else? Yes? Okay, I... So, but at my age, I still want to go. I still want to do things. Okay. So, March 17th is when I came into the world. And my mother went out of the world. Okay. Okay. So, I was raised by my aunt and uncle, who were not Christians. They did not go to church. Okay. But I had to go to Sunday school when I got to be five or six years old. Yeah. Or I had to stay in on Sunday. So yeah. I didn't, I did. I went with my aunt and uncle, but my other aunt and uncle, and um, they went to the Baptist church. So that was fine. I was brought up in Sunday school, not church. And then I have to say that I, when in 1955, I got married. Yeah. And I, I, um, I always, well, before I got married, I was in a lot of churches. 
Okay. Because I okay. wanted to go to church, but I didn't know which one. Sure. So, of course, the Sunday school was the Baptist church. So, okay. I remember the Baptist church. So, um, I got, this is unreal, but I went to the Methodist church with my grandmother, and she, when I was 17 years old, I got sprinkled. Okay. Christened. Sure. So, then, then I left that church because then um, I moved away. After graduation high school, I moved away, and I got um, um, I got married, and my husband was a Baptist. Okay. So I said, "There's the Baptist again. I want to go to the Baptist church." Okay. So we moved to New York. I didn't go to church okay. because it was just too much, too big, and I was so I didn't go to church, and I was missing it terrible. So then we moved back to this, this down here, back, and then I moved over here, and then I started going to Presbyterian Church because okay. the pastor came to the door. Sure. I was in the Presbyterian Church for 16 years, and I had enough. I thought, I could be good. There was no Baptist churches around here at that okay. time. So you know how old I am. There's no Baptist churches around. So what happened is my son... My son was going to with the girlfriend, and he was going. I had to take him; he couldn't drive. So I'm taking him up to the road, and I went, "Oh my goodness, there's a Baptist church!" So this is really funny because the next Sunday, I wasn't happy in the Presbyterian church at the time. So I said, "I'm going to the Baptist church this Sunday." So I get home, I left the house. Instead of making a right to go to the Baptist church, I went to let's go to. I mean, to the Presbyterian church. My boy said, where are you going, Mom? I said, I'm going to, ch I'm going to church. Well, that's not the way you I'm going to church, and you're going with me. So we get to the store of the church, and my son says, what are we here for? I said, because I want to try this church. Well, they weren't going to get out of the door. They said, we're not going. Oh, yes, shoot. Oh, honey, you get the So they got out and they came into church, and the uh, the oldest one, of course, he was going to be graduating from uh, high school in May, and he was going away to college. The youngest one loved it, so they had a big youth group back then, a big remember in the garage. Yeah. So my youngest one did that. So anyhow, I came in the store, and who was preaching? His father, father, brother, um, Pastor Silas. Oh, I can remember the day I'm, I, I got in this church and he was preaching on the great white throne. I'll never forget it. And I said, this is my church. This is my church. So he's the one. <laughs> he's the one, and then I got stuck with this other one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But anyhow, I've been here 48 years, and I'm not kidding you one bit. This is where I've grown. I was saved in 1960, and I was saved at a Billy Graham crusade. And all those years between I got married and the time I got saved, I kept saying, "I got." I always loved the Lord. I always wanted to think that. But so anyhow, when I came to this church, so they I was came and I was baptized. What don't you think? They always baptized in the evening at that time. Okay. Well, the day I'm getting baptized, Pastor Pilate said, 
you're going to get baptized up front. I went, uh-huh. <laughs> Why can't we stay in the box? box? I know David doesn't believe this, but I was quiet at one time. <laughs> and so I was baptized, and I'm not kidding. My faith grew so big, so good in this church. This is the church that where I just grew stronger and stronger and stronger in Jesus Christ. And my aim in my aim in my life is to bring the message of Jesus Christ to people that I know. So, 85 years, I go get a job. So I got a great job. God knew what He was working in my heart and my life. He gave me a job. A caretaker job. So I got people that I, with different houses I would go to, but always had that message. I don't care where I was, I don't care where they were, I had to talk about my God. I so, and to this day, I want to work until God takes me home. If you talked to me prior to today about joining the church, I'm sure I have forgotten that I have to do that you're attached to the church. Uh, uh, that's another conversation. <laughs> that would be your time to say, Pastor Dave, I spoke to you all you know. So, where are you? What's next? What do you want to do? What's, what's God calling you to do? What kind of commitments do you want to make towards Christ? Yeah, this is, this is what he's saying to me these days. You want the thing? Oh, yes, right here. Hi. Um, I'm Iris, everybody. Yes, I If you forget my name, you call me I. <laughs> okay? Um, Jose started calling me I years ago. Okay. So, um, you know why? Because you the apple of his eye. That's right. And that's why this, this is exactly what I love about this church. Okay? I've been baptized. Um, and, uh, I've been baptized before, okay. and um, I've been a member of different churches, Baptist and non denominational okay. I started church at a Methodist church over in Philadelphia, where okay. we used to live, me and my parents and stuff. So I was, I guess, four or five. I remember having a woman of like a lot of pageants there. It was a Methodist okay. church. Sure. And um, I came to Christ under um, Pastor Park. Okay. And at Antioch. Yes. Kansas. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, we took churches to Living Word. Yeah. And um, I kind of had, towards the end, got kind of lost in the soul. Okay. And what I always wanted to do is give back to people. What people have done for me, you know, give them a hand up, not a hand out. Okay. But, you know, I got my master's degree because I wanted to teach okay. uh, reading. Okay. Uh, on the uh, secondary level, because most of these kids in K-12 or high school come to the college and can not okay. read, you know, so that's what I always wanted to do, teach reading, even special ed to kids, you know, so um, I'm here, and um, I, I believe I'm going to join this local body of believers. Um, I have only been greeted with love the whole time. Corn, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody, you know, um, it's just an outpouring of mm -hmm. love, which I have never really, really experienced mm -hmm. in my walk with different churches. Mm -hmm. 
but I see it here. Mm -hmm. I feel it here as yeah. well. Good. Everybody's so kind, yeah. they're so outgoing, you know, and I'm kind of outgoing too, I talk a lot. <laughs> but you know what, I love to get to know people. Mm -hmm. And that's what their journey is, Good. what they believe in everything. Good. So, um, that's it. Good, that's fine, that's perfect. Thank you, thank you. If you've spoken to me before and I'm not public, could you please make it known right now? Anybody? Yeah, God let us here. We want to join this church officially. Yes, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I'll just give you a quick background. So I became a Christian um, at nine. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, was very happy and thriving uh, for years. And um, then my we had a tragedy in our family when I was uh, 16. My brother was killed by a drunk driver. And it changed my life. And as the scripture was saying about, you know, pardoning your heart, um, I stepped away. Like, mm -hmm. I was very angry. And during that time of probably about 10 years, I met my husband, who is not a Christian to this day. Um, married him, knowing I should not have married him. Um, but through him, uh, he met Joyce at a, at a bank that he banked at. And my non-Christian husband brought me this church. So it's funny how that has transpired. But um, I, I was part of this church for a long time. Uh, I was baptized in this church. And I, I walked away from the church thinking and praying about how to get my husband interested. And I thought the big churches and, you know, went to several big churches and during the time I was away from this church, um, nothing happened, except I got unhappy. Mm. So, it's the way to cross. I love these people. You're my family. And I want to kiss you. Amen. Good. Anyone else? Anyone else? No pressure. Well, let's move on to... Um, I'm born again. I'm baptized. I'm a member of this church, but some of the things I've heard, I've heard you talk about, even with me. Thank <laughs> you. 
that your sermon today speaks to my heart. And many times I take prayer to say about talking about my life and some of the, of the people because I feel like that God's speaking to us here. And so many times I've come here, I've run away from God. Most of my life I've run from God, but just like this song, he's chased after me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think you want to make a commitment, but it's him pulling us. It's him pulling me. And then it, even in those times I begin to hear his voice saying, Do you really want this? Is this something you really want? Are you really serious? Because I just wanted to fix this right. I wanted God to be, okay, God touched me, and we'll, we'll get on with this thing, and you're going to fix it. But it didn't happen like the microwave oven. Because I was like the woman who had the issue of blood. I wanted to touch it. I want to go to heaven. And the rest of the time. But now, to be free, I, I want to live a life that's totally honest and clear. I'm a Christian. And I may mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but I want to be honest and have integrity and stand on that. I'm a Christian, and these are the people I stand with. And I want to stand with you guys, because I know some of you, but I, I don't know a lot of you. But no matter where we are, we all have that common bond. And when we're in heaven, everybody's going to know Jesus. And he knows us. So uh, he's made that commitment to me long ago in his you know, salvation from the Lord. He can't add anything to that. You know, we know that. He's, he's the one that cleanses us. He gives us the hunger and the thirst. So it was work in that I had to make a commitment in my heart to get on my knees every day and not only do the things that I used to do that have one foot in the world, but not desire them anymore. If you think about it, these were chosen people. They wanted this, 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 this vegetable yeah. and eat it. I don't want you to desire that anymore. Take it out of my heart, God, that I wouldn't have that desire for those things in the world and not live this one foot in the world like, oh, I'm a Christian, yet, but you know what? You know, no, I don't want this. I don't want that anymore. And um, I want to be that kind of man, not here publicly or, or not just in work, because people don't really know me, but at home, especially with my wife and children, and just to serve. And serve where God has put me, and whatever it is, uh, I'm, I'm praying a lot. In these days, as I'm moving on to a new portion of life, that God will give me a, a clear idea of where to take it. Yeah. And to me, it's, it's, it's all about service. And so the locking arms that I keep saying, this is who we are, this is what we believe in. And uh, this is my, my new portion of my life, and I feel like um, I know Pastor Dave and I, we meet. Uh, it was hard for me to get up here and speak, and I know for, uh, for you guys too, to pray, you know, it's not easy. When Pastor David asked me to come, you know, it's easier for him to talk. <laughs> but I heard the other thing when I was talking to him, but you guys can do that. Tremendous thing. But um, he's been such an encouragement to me and all you have, and I just wanted to encourage you guys with that little portion of, uh, of, of my story, what God's happening in my life. I want to be committed here and stay here with you guys and share Christ with the Lord wherever he's doing this. Hey Mark, you have any uh, background music? We're about to uh, transition into what's up tonight. Way ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Yes, please, Shona. Yes, Shona, please. Saying earlier, we went to a lot of churches um, in the past. 
I asked God in my heart when I was four. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been going to church my whole life. It's been this kind of a thing that's always been there. And most of the time I saw it as this like routine thing. Oh, it's Sunday, we're going to church. Sunday morning, we come home, we wash breakfast together. Like that's just that's just how it was. But that's all it was. It was just like a routine. And granted, I had fun, like the churches were nice. Some of them were cool, like Sunday school was fun, but I never really had a connection and it never really was anything more than just going to church. So I would tell my grandparents and how much, like how their faith was just so great and the love they have for and like in their church. And I always wanted that, but I just didn't know how to find it and I didn't think that you could find it. And then we came back here because when we were here in the first place I was too young, but when we came back I found like found the connection. It was just inspiration. Like the way all of you guys just hugged me like I never left. Yeah. And it was just that family. That like you guys are my family. And this is that feeling that everyone talks about that this is what church is supposed to feel like. And because of you guys I'm finally like starting to understand what all of this means. Like who Christ is and what it means. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going anywhere. Craig's in his mid 50s. Don't ask for details. <laughs> Sean is a freshman in high school and everything in between. And uh, Rob's looking at retirement, but he's saying, you know, God's got a future for me. Yeah. God's got plans for me. Everyone's got a story, and your stories matter. But they don't matter more than what's yet to be. Yeah, that's right. They don't matter more than what's yet to be. Yeah. The future is where we're headed. Amen. The past shapes us. Some of we want to drop. Some of we need to enhance. Some of we need to never talk about ever again. Right. The future is where God's grace will be seen in our lives. Great. Fine. I'm going to do it like, you know, I'm going to do a nation, I'm going to do a choir. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, after, after what you were just saying, um, in 1983, I was saved. And then I walked 39 years in the wilderness. And I'm still in the wilderness. Yeah. And I would tell people, you know, Jesus loves you, stuff like that. But I was always looking at Teresa, the things that she went through, and the joy that was in her heart. And I was like, I don't have it, but I loved it that it was in her. Yeah. And so, um, all right, so, uh, so I was in the wilderness. I, I know I was saved, but um, let me get to where I was. So I wavered back and forth for 39 years, trusting God, not trusting God, yeah. giving up control taking back control. Yeah, that yeah. was my life. It was yeah. up and down, up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. All the yeah. time. Yeah. So, um, so I'm in a wilderness and God, I love this. God's so merciful. Mm-hmm. So, one of my children has disowned us. Okay? 
And then I went to visit my other child, and I had a big fight with that child. And, uh, and I apologized. And she said something to me that was like eye-opening. And it was like, wow. And you know what? It was the best thing that ever happened to me. God was so merciful. Uh, what happened is that, oh, first of all, okay, so I went home. I was angry at God for that whole week before the fight. I was reading, I was praying, I was yeah. loving God. It was like, oh my God, I'm so close to you, I'm so close to you. Then that thing happened, and I went home, and I'm like, I'm mad at God, I'm not reading, I'm not praying, I'm yeah. done. Well, then I'm like, suicidal, I'm depressed. Yeah. And every time that happens, I always go back to the Bible. I went back to yeah. Psalms, started with Psalm 1. You know, by the time I got through it, then God just started revealing, you know, my knees asked me to go to a Bible study, and the best Bible study that was working. And then, I, and then I'm reading another book and another book. And anyway, uh, that through what my daughter said to me, which I am going to go and talk with her and thank her for, because she's looking real life, which she did. Um, I, I feel God's love. Like Patricia has. I had, I had that joy that I didn't have when I was so rebellious. I was rebellious. I was disobedient. I, I fell the blanks. It's like I knew I was saved, but I was like stepping all over the cross, stepping yeah. all over God. And I, and I was all, and then what God showed me is who I was and who He was. Amen. And, and I'm so in love with Jesus. I know that God, well, I never had a, 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 I know people Father's love. And now I'm so yeah. I'm so happy. Even though I'm going through this trial, my son, I'm never going to see us again. But my daughter, who said something up on like what he was saying in his life, but she's so merciful. She's forgiving. And she keeps loving but I'm so grateful because it's like, Marie, this is who you are. And he, I felt like Paul when the scales came off his eyes. And I'm so excited. Even though we're going through a terrible trial, I love God and he loves me. And I'm so in love with Jesus. And and you know what? Only God's going to do that for me. Like, you can't tell someone. I can't tell you what I'm going through. And you can't tell me what you're going through. God reveals himself. Amen. And he reveals himself in these four words that my daughter said to me that just devastated me because guess what? I never knew they felt that way about me. I didn't see myself like that. So praise God. Praise God. I just only want to say praise God. I mean, I've been a, a Christian since 1983, 39 years, right? Duh. <laughs> It's like it took that long for for him to show me that I was such a little rebellious brat. Just I want my own way, you know. And like what you were saying, I don't want to be in the world and on with God. I want oh, so I'm pursuing holiness. I wrote a good book, The Pursuit of Holiness, the great book, and that's what I'm pursuing. And, and I'm gonna fall, but he's gonna pick me back up. And I'm praise God, praise God for a fall, praise God. interesting coupling of, of concepts and words. She said, we, I am devastated 
I'm so happy. And if you even don't understand that, then you don't know the ways of God. Amen. You know the ways of God. And, and the only way to learn the ways of God is to grow, to go and to grow through them. These are the ways of God. Yes. These are the ways. Read the Bible. These are the ways of God. Yes. I wish it were easier. And in the end, it will be the easiest of all. But till there, till then, no, it's, it's going to be this. It's going to be this. And that's why we need to exhort, verse 13, one another all the time. Yeah. Encourage. Don't give up. Yeah. This isn't where we die and stay. Right. We're moving on to something better. Hang in there. Keep believing. Keep pressing. Yeah. And cry out and cry out. And cry out and cry out to God. First Corinthians 11. The first paragraph starting at verse 17. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. The church was divided. The church of Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 17. You see it in verse 18. I hear that there are divisions. The rich people said here. The poor people said here. The white collar group and the blue collar group. The Republicans and the Democrats. The Calvinists and the Arminians. You know that one. That's not that great. One. They were all split up. They're, and then they're divided. Those who work for a living, those who are living off their investments. They're all over the place, but they're not one. They're divided based on earthly, fleshly things. They're not united based on spiritual things. In this congregation, we have people who are barely above the poverty line. And we have people who are making more money in retirement than they ever made in, in, in their working career. Just the way investments work. And yet we're one in Christ. Yeah. Politically, we're all over the map. Ethnically, racially, very broad. We're one in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. There cannot be divisions. First paragraph of this section. He talks about the Lord's Supper beginning in verse 23. Chapter 11 and verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I have given to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. This do, this do, do you know it? Say it out loud with me. In remembrance of me. I want to scream when I hear people say, I'm, I'm, I'm born again. We don't call it born again. You Baptists call it born again. I, I know Jesus I, 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 when I take communion. You can't find anywhere in the Bible that it says this is how we get our redemption. This is where we get our forgiveness. This is where we get our salvation. You do this to remember. To remember. You can't remember something you don't have. You don't get something initially by remembering it. If you're remembering it, you already had it. We do this to remember. Oh, oh, this is this is a, a very simplistic, oversimplified illustration of oh, the body of Christ was beaten for my sin, and the blood of Christ was spilt to pay and cover my sin, to pay for and cover. That's what this is, and by taking it in me. I'm saying that I've taken that truth into my soul. 
that I, I have forgiveness, not because I'm good, but because he paid the price. So we've heard some great stuff and we're way past time. I, I, I sort of kind of don't even care. It's, it's right that we hear these things, what God is doing in, in the lives of other people, what he's doing in our little congregation. I really don't like, I kind of hate these, um, COVID things. Uh, you can't touch it. It's a peel off the top, eat the, the bread, which is not bread. It's like styrofoam. It melts in your mouth. It's nasty. <laughs> Drink the juice. Could you look past my horrible distaste for the, 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 the technicalities of it? And could you get what this represents? The body and the blood of Jesus. The body and the blood of Jesus. The body was beaten and broken and the blood was spilt. And I've taken that into my spirit in belief and this is just a reminder. This is just a reminder. It's a way to remember. Now, I'm not going to insist you must be born again and, and show me your your uh, vaccination certificate. <laughs> you tell me you're born again, fine. You tell me you belong to another church, fine. If you know Christ is your Savior, and you want to remember, you want to remember what He's done for you, this is one of the ways that we remember. Wow. Yeah. This, this makes me... Uh, I remember when he... I remember historically reading about when he died to me. But I remember when I participated in that death, when it became real to me. And then I remember being in the wilderness and forgetting about it. And now I'm coming back home and I'm, I'm re-remembering. No, I belong to Christ. Right. I, I, I belong to Christ. That's your heart. That's your testimony. I ask you to participate. That we might remember. That we, we might remember. Mark's going to play some music. Just file out these two outside aisles on the outside against the walls and just come around and we'll proceed on. Remain standing when you get back to your seats. Go ahead, Mark. Let's begin. Go ahead, Mark. You're right there. Yes, so here we'll see. Good. Here we go.
Pastor, uh, we reviewed it, and uh, just to move this on, I move the approval of the 2022 budget as adopted by the Board of Directors or the Trustees and our earlier meeting with the uh, congregation. Thank you so much. We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposition? Thank you. Thank you so much. That's done, settled, revised budget is, is still in place. Thank you, John, so much. Hymn 511, an old, 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 old hymn. I want to take us back to our original text this morning. We're going somewhere as a church. I don't mean, we're going to, we're going to have the biggest church in close attention. My goal is not to have the biggest church anywhere. My goal is to have an obedient church. My goal is to have an obedient church. Where we're going is to heaven. And as the chorus concludes, I want you to go with us. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm going to heaven. I want you to come and go with me. Hymn 511 on Jordan's stormy banks. Jordan is the river. We're crossing the river. We're going somewhere. I want you to go with us. Here we go. First one. Oh, Jordan. 